This week, Brother Brzezinski teaches a lesson titled, Accept the Lord. But I do feel, uh, just like God wants to do something tonight, I just feel that. I feel something unique and special that God wants to do tonight. And I want to just remind uh, those of you who went to Watertown, you will remember this, and those of you who did not go to Watertown, um, Brother Juan pulled us aside and he, we had a devotional time, and he asked us, he said, well, we're here, because the environment there in Watertown, God was doing some pretty awesome things in their ministry, and they have a, uh, call it a gift of faith, call it just a unique, uh, they have, they, there's something to their ministry that they just possess great faith, if I could say it that way. And so in that environment, Juan asked us, he said, envision one thing that you just need God to move on. It, just envision one thing. And we actually went around the circle and we told everybody, you know, this is, this is something I need God's touch on. I need God's help with this. And so as we, as we go here, I'm not going to do like a real teaching kind of thing and be very systematic. I just, I want to lead us to a point where we take that one thing to God. So as we go through this, just be thinking of that one thing that you need God to move upon or in. All right? Amen. So I do give honor to the Lopez's for allowing us to be here. Um, Juan, Juan is, of course, not feeling well, so would that be all right if we just pray for, do we pray for Juan? Then let's not pray again. No, let's... No, I'm glad we prayed for Juan. He's not feeling well. Um, and I don't know, those of you who are in Watertown, I know that if you're around me very long in a vehicle, you start to see character flaws and you, you but, you know, and that's going to happen with anybody. But I will say that the more you're around the Lopez's, you do see all of the humanity, but you know that their character is rock solid. And I'm thankful for uh, strong leaders of strong character in, in the Lopez's and got to know my fellow brethren who I was in the car with a long time I found out that John is a he he will drive all through the night he, he, he might take a few straight turns but he will drive through the night by the grace of God I don't know how you did it about 18 hours of not quite maybe not 18 and and Zach we won't even we won't even get into Zach we just won't do it. But in Jesus' name, it, in Watertown, there was a sign up in their church. Do you guys remember what verse was up on that sign? Psalm 127 and 1, which says, Except the Lord build the house. They labor, they labor in vain that build it, right? And, and that's the title that I want to use. I just want to use that title for tonight and, and preach on that. And I believe God wants to minister a certain relief tonight, if I can put it that way. Can we pray? Can we just pray first before we get into this? I need God's help. Mr. Vite, why don't you shout out a prayer for us? In Jesus' name. I promise I will not be super long because uh, you guys don't want to hear me tonight, but I do think the Lord wants to do something, and that's more important. So I've been around church a little while. I've seen a few things. I've observed a few things. 
And this is one thing that I've observed by seeing we have a great pastor, we have great staff here, we've had excellent teachers throughout the years when Brother Barkus and Sister Barkus were teaching this class to the IBC staff were exposed to, to the traveling ministers, were exposed to a lot of solid men of God and women of God, of course, but a lot of solid people of God. And one thing that I have noticed is that people who are spiritual are also very practical people. That's my observation. And I think that spirituality is very practical in a certain sense. And by practical, I mean it works in practice. There's just a real-life component to our spirituality. We live in the real world. Amen? Yes. And that verse, Psalm 127 and 1, holds that tension very well. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. That tells me two things. Except the Lord step in and do something, we're in trouble. But that also tells me there's somebody laboring. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 21 and 31 says that the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Again, we're doing something on our part, yes, but unless God steps in, it's not going to succeed. There's a healthy tension. When Paul was talking to the Corinthians, he said, hey guys, it's, it's cool that you speak in tongues, but maybe not all day long because sometimes you've got to preach the word to people's understanding. They need to understand it in plain English. So there is, of course, a practical aspect to spirituality. Everybody on board with that? You agree? Okay. Um, now, that is a good thing. Uh, because, or, or I should say, almost in a different sense, the, our humanity, however, although we, we do hold a part of this equation, there, there, are, there are both sides, of course. God does his part. We do our part. We have our side of the equation. But you will admit, of course, we are limited in our abilities. I don't know about you, but I'm quite limited in my abilities. We are very flesh. We are very human. Uh, Steve Jobs, do you guys know who Steve Jobs is by chance? Okay, good. So Steve Jobs said this. I want to read you a quote by Steve Jobs. He said, uh, everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. So what is he saying? He's saying that this whole thing called life, uh, the reason why we drive cars was because somebody invented cars. And he goes on to say that, you know, Henry Ford was a smart guy, but these guys weren't like gods. They were humans. So he's saying that everything that you see around you that we call the world, the Internet, the cultural things, they were made by people no smarter than you. And once Steve Jobs recognized that, he realized, I can poke life and something will come out the other side. And did Steve Jobs succeed in changing culture and doing that? Of course he did. And is there a power in the hand of man? Well, of course there is. There is a, when they were building Babylon, did they not say, look at these people united, what can they not do? There is a power of man's hand. That's just the reality. We can accomplish things. Steve Jobs was obviously not a fatalist. He believed that he could take things with the power of his own hand and see it through. We can't deny that power. That's something God has given us. But we are still limited. Uh, Steve Jobs had cancer. Was he able to help himself cure his own cancer by the strength of his hand or by his own mental, you know, he got his way in a lot of things, but he could not will himself to be cured of cancer. We all have limitations. And 
no man, despite how intelligent, despite how hardworking, despite how, how you envision what's going to be and you just try to make it happen, no man is able to step outside the principles of God. No man is able, for example, to manufacture peace for his life outside of the principles of the Bible. No man is able to manufacture spiritual things outside of the Spirit. There's just, there's just no way that the flesh accomplishes those things. Amen? All right. Uh, so if I could uh, be a little bit personal uh, here. Um, actually, let me, let me read a verse for you first. I, I mentioned the strength of our hand. Uh, I, I don't feel, and you can, you can argue this for your own self, but I know that in my life I feel very weak in certain areas, right? We have limitations. We, no man possesses all strength. I, we talked about this with Brother Mack one time, that everybody, despite how genius they may be in one area, they don't possess all genius. There's, there's shadow sides to every strength, is there not? And, and sometimes with our own talents or lack thereof or personalities or, or something physical or just what has or hasn't happened in our life, we just feel limited. And, and I come and I can't, I can't preach like some people. I wish I could just preach like some people, but I don't have a certain charisma that another person might have. I'm limited in my abilities. And you could all think of certain things and say, yeah, I wish this wasn't quite so. I'm, I'm, I really wish I could change this about myself. I really wish I didn't have this limitation in my personality or my physical whatever, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on. Uh, I want to read to you Isaiah 57 and 10, which says, Thou art wearied in the greatness of thy way. I forget who Isaiah is talking to. I think he's talking to the children of Israel. He says, Thou art wearied in the greatness of thy way, yet thou sayest not there is no hope. You are wearied in the greatness of thy way, yet thou sayest not there is no hope. So he's saying that you're getting tired trying to live life as some kind of big shot. You're getting tired trying to live life, propping up your own ego, trying to accomplish certain things, but you're not saying there's no hope. You're beca and he goes on to say, here's why. You found the life of thine hand, therefore thou wast not grieved. And it is very easy for a person to find the life of his own hand, is it not? Uh, a person can, can do a lot to justify and overinflated ego, for example. That's a work of your hand, is it not? A person can go on many, many years thinking that they're doing well in ministry and they're just leaning on intellect, they're leaning on social connections, they're leaning on talent. It's not necessarily the Spirit of God. Um, you know, we, we have great musicians here and, and the danger with that is if you're very talented, the danger is, is that you can just lean on the talent. That's, is, that the, is that anointing or is that the strength of your hand? There, there is that balance. There is that tension. Uh, and so what do we do about that? <laughs> what do we do when we're confronted with our weakness? What do we do when we're confronted with our own limitation as humans? We do have two choices. And one is denial. And I have been very good at that. And you have likely been very good at that. 
you know, wouldn't you know it? I still fancy myself like an athlete. Like I imagine, like, man, if I could go, if I could go back and play baseball, or you know, just just like get over it, man. You're like you're like five four, man. Just stop with the fantasies about being a great athlete. Just let go. But even even in a what would seem to be an obvious case, people can look at themselves and fancy certain things by the strength of their own hand. Can they not? Yes. Uh, so we do have the ability to live life in the strength of our own hand, but as Pastor Mooney does say, that will weary you. You will get tired. If you are, are pushing in ministry, for example, through intellect and through your own charisma and through your own energy, that's going to wear you out because God's not coming through on your behalf. You're always pushing. You're always pushing the door open and making it happen. You, we can't push things open with our own strength because if we do, then we're expected to meet that same level the next time. We've got to come up with the same level the time after that, and it's going to wear us out. The greatness of our own way may just wear us out. You guys following me? Okay. Uh, now, I've had people tell me, and I, I think this is an accurate assessment, like, Kevin, you, you, know, you could work on the confidence thing. Okay, and I think I know what they mean. I think I know what they mean. There are certain people who just have a confidence about them, if you know what I mean. They'll step into a room and they'll command the room. They'll step into the pulpit, they'll command the pulpit. There are certain people who I think have natural leadership abilities and just a natural confidence. And, and that's been said to me, Kevin, you know, you could, you could work on that. I'm like, all right. Uh, but I, I looked, you know, I, and this is no, no dog on that uh, assessment. I think it was right on in certain ways. But I looked up the word confidence and what does that really mean? What is confidence? And what I found is, is that it just means to have full trust in confidence, to have full trust in something. It's not a disposition exactly. It's, it's based on an object. And I looked at the word diffidence, which is the opposite, and it's failing in trust. So that tells me, light bulb, okay, so confidence is not just like a disposition, like, like the same thing as ego. Confidence is, is something that is based on trust, and trust is based on an object. Good so far? Now, there are certain things that, for example, I do not want to have full trust in. Would you agree? Uh, I could, and, and people do. Okay, let's just use uh, a personal example because it's easy. A person can go through high school thinking they're a great athlete because they made the varsity team. Their whole ego is wrapped around being an athlete. And then when they don't make it on to the next level, they think, well, who am I? So what do you do then? Do you just kind of like acknowledge, okay, I'm, I'm mortal, I'm human, I've got to reevaluate life? Or do you say, I'm going to join that softball league and show them how awesome I am. And I'm going to go play softball in the retirement village and show them how awesome I am. E this can go on and go on and go on. So what, uh, on what is our confidence or, our, or the ego might be a bad word, but what, on what? On what object is our confidence based what, on what are we having full confidence in? And I'm not dogging a disposition of confidence, but a man can have a disposition of confidence because he believes he is just the man on his job. He's the boss man. 
a person can have great confidence because he just believes his bank account's bigger. A woman can have confidence because she believes she's prettier than everybody else. Whatever it may be, there's a lot of false confidences that we can have. And by false confidence, I just mean it's based on a false object. There are, I don't want to have confidence. I, I'd like to have confidence. Let's just put it, I will want to have confidence, but not at the expense of putting it on a false object. I want to have God confidence. What, what does the Bible say in Philippians 3 and 3? It says that, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. I, I, don't, I don't mind having a certain diffidence. Now, th- there's a lot that could be said here. I think that there's something to be said about a person who's educated, a person who can speak well, a, there are certain tools in the hands of God that are better used, don't get me wrong. But, but on the same hand, I don't want my confidence in the flesh to succeed. I'd prefer it just fail. Let's get that failure out of the way and I'll move on to a, hopefully a correct object. If I trust in my money, I hope that I have a diffidence toward that because ultimately it will fail and I need to place my confidence in a right object. Amen? You are wearied in the greatness of your way. And I I do, this is where I want to kind of push us toward the altar call. And I do, I really do think that God wants to do something tonight. I really do feel that. And we can be wearied in the greatness of our way. And it can look good. It can look like success may not be success. But we need the Holy Ghost. We cannot manufacture spiritual things by the flesh. Can't happen. Not going to happen. Spiritual things come by the Spirit. End of story. And if I took a survey around this room, okay, we are, we have not all arrived. Is that a surprise to anybody? We have not all arrived. We're, we're that hyphen age. And you would admit that this hyphen age can be a little bit precarious because we're, we're not children we're not quite like, uh, not, we are adults, but we're not quite like there. We haven't just made it like, like 45-year-olds have just hit the pinnacle of their career, hit the pinnacle of whatever. We are those hyphen people. Oftentimes, we are looking, God, when will this happen? When is this step going to take place in my life? What are you going to do with this situation that can't get resolved? I, I don't see a way. And what do we do? And, and I would submit to you that we are, for the most part, we don't just want to obtain confidence in any old thing, but we want the confidence that comes from, I, I feel like, God, I'm in your will right now. At this point in my life where I'm going, yeah, I may be missing some things, but I feel like I'm right where you want me to be. I've got that confidence. And I've got the confidence that if you wanted the next step to take place, you could position me. You probably got me positioned right here. You know how to take me there, and I'm not going to try to find the strength of my own hand and push this door open and say, I want it now, but I'm just saying, God, if you want this door to open, you know how to get through to me. You know how to speak to my dull head. You know how to do that, and I don't want to get outside of his will. I don't want to base my confidence on, look what I did. I want him to move and open the door so that I know I'm in the will of God. Uh, Let's 
for a quick moment look at who God helps. Who, what, what criteria is it that, that God moves and says, I'm going to move on their behalf? What is that criteria? And one thought that came to my mind was Moses and the children of Israel when they were between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. That's a situation God's going to move in because they had no other option. They were obedient. They were in the right position. They were about to get slaughtered. They were helpless. And God moved on their behalf. We just saw a brother and sister Brown. And God moved on their behalf. These are people who are giving away a ton of their income in a place that you wouldn't think that they could grow. And they're just giving. They're faithful. And God shows up and gives them almost a million dollar building debt free. Who does God move for? God moves for, there's a couple principles. God moves for the people who need help. But he giveth more grace. He resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. The people who need help. That's, you're a prime candidate for God to move. Uh, we could go on and on and on. Uh, Psalm 57 and 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Who's in a good position for God to move? Well, my Bible says that never, never will God resist or despise or work against the contrite heart. God's going to help that person. Second Corinthians 12 and 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, Musicians, if you could come, I know this is uh, a shorter than normal sermon, but I do feel like in prayer, whatever, that there is that, I feel like God wants to do something. And if you would, in your mind, whether it's you've just thought of it now, whether it was that thing that you thought of in South Dakota, I think that there's all one thing that we have. Probably more than one thing, but there's at least one thing that we have that we say, God, maybe I could try to push this door open, but I, I don't even know that I could do that. I just need you to move. There's really no other way to accomplish this thing except the Lord build the house and I, I can labor, I can, I can do my part, but except the Lord step in, this thing is just not going away. This thing is not going to change and I'm not able to do it. So I believe that is the call of God tonight. Is just, God, I could resort to the strength of my own hand. I could do that. But God, I just believe that you want to move on behalf of people who acknowledge I need, I need you. I need your help. I need you to step in. I, I ran out of myself. I ran out of my own strength. I'm, I'm limited. And unless you step in, this is going to crash. But if you'll step in, my weakness can actually be a strength because his strength is made perfect in weakness. I don't invite y'all just to stand. And uh, if you would come up to the front, and I'd just like to lead you in a couple, in a prayer and a couple more thoughts. Uh,
Brother, Brother Brown said something up in Watertown that stuck with me. And he made the point that when God has something for you, a promise, a word, you can, if you want to, if, if you've got a seed in the ground and you go and dig it up and you check on it and you say, well, I wonder if it's growing yet, you may just ruin it because you're getting your hands involved in what God has already, it's probably already been planted, maybe it's already been watered, and God's just waiting to give the increase in his time. And with the strength of our hands, sometimes we just got to say, God, hands off. I can't, I can't make this thing grow. <laughs> I don't have it in my power to make certain things grow. God, my hands are off. And I know we lift our hands in church a lot because it's what we do, but just as a symbol to say, God, I turn this over to you and my hands are just off. My hands are off this one. I put it in your hands. I, I just ask you to lift your hands and just begin to call out in his name. And Jesus, we are needful people. We're limited in our own self. We're limited in our own abilities. But that's a fine place to be. Because when we're limited, you're able to step in with your power. When our hands are off the helm, you're able to steer us in the way that you would want to steer us. Lord, we honor you. We glorify you. I plead your blood over this people. That you would just strengthen a faith. And that you would bring the answer, Lord. And bring a certain patience into our lives. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. You're with us. You're for us. You're going to make it happen if we'll just trust it into your hands. We can't make it happen with the strength of our hands. But we trust you. We honor you. We glorify you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. Lord, we're waiting on you.